0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings,
1: people are searching for meaning in their life, and one third of their life is their work. And, and generally, yeah, if you are contributing as a as a, a leader in a company to to helping people see meaning in their life and in their work, right. you are making a major contribution, and you're going to make more money. Yeah,
0: you are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm your host of Gathering the Kings, the podcast where we bring kings to you like today, Robert White on the King stage. My friend, how are you?
1: I'm well and delighted to be with you, Chaz.
0: Yeah, you know, I uh, I appreciate that uh, you're delighted because, man, we get to do some cool stuff here today and uh, deliver some, some hopefully, some nuggets to some people listening and who are hungry. They want to grow and change, and I know that's what we're both about. So i um, anxious to dive in, but before we do that, Robert, tell us what kind of business that you have.
1: Well, I've spent uh, most of my life uh, founding and leading three uh, training companies that do high-impact experiential learning for executives. And uh, today, I I work uh, with executives directly as a mentor, as
0: and a coach, as uh, as a business advisor. Love that. Well, we're going to be able to pull all the nuggets from you today. We're going to get them all in one podcast. Now, <laughs> I'm going to sure try. Um, but in all seriousness, for the listener, I want you guys to pay close attention. Um, decades of experience and uh, and and coaching coming at you here in a hot second. So. Before we dive into your history and maybe some nuggets that you can give to the listener, Robert, I want to know why. Like, even at this stage in the game, you've you've had success, years, decades of success. You don't have to do any of this. You don't have to be here today. Why? Well, I uh, had this
1: incredible experience in my late 20s of, of one of the early human potential movement trainings. It sounds like a cliche all these years later, but it changed my life for the better, so part of it is that I've, I've operated for years, and there are now a 1,300,000 graduates of these programs from uh, companies that I founded and led. Uh, but what has fueled that for me, first of all, was my own personal experience of, of going from struggle and guilt and shame and a whole bunch of negative self-talk into living in a 15,000-square-foot house on 76 acres in Aspen and and yeah. having my own jet you know all of those symbols of success yeah I like sharing that I really enjoy it I know there are people that that yearn for the beach or something like that you know it's just right. not me I love being with people with the executives that I work with I love sharing their struggles and their wins uh I love all of that it just uh, invigorates me and um, and also I've got a, I've got a little personal project I'm working on in terms of of uh, a trust that I'm funding. So th- there's there are a bunch of reasons for doing it. All of them are are good. Yeah, I mean, along with all the frustrations of running a business and of and uh, working with clients and all that. Uh, overall, it's just uh, it's life affirming for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's just so good because I mean, it, there's. Like you said, you had this revelation when you were in your 20s. You're obviously not in your 20s now, but there's these moments that we have of like re-upping, you know, like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. And so it gives you a new a new perspective, a, a fueling of sorts, you know, to dive back in again and to kind of re-sign back up to the greater purpose. And maybe we have a, a, a clearer vision of what the greater purpose is. And so it's just, for me, at least, it's really encouraging to know someone with at, at your level, um, with, with the history that you've had. Um, to be able to still feel that because <clears throat> selfishly building a business, doing all those things that you just talked about, even the goods, the bads, the struggles, even doing it inside of our mastermind group, sharing those things with other entrepreneurs, it really fuels me. And so to know that you know I still have decades to go and I can still be fueled by that, um, that sounds pretty exciting to me. It, a little selfish because I like the dopamine hit, I guess. I don't know. What would you say to that? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that.
1: You know, when I, uh, I was mostly retired at 46 and I moved to Aspen from Asia and, uh, you know, and I had wonderful friendships and skied 80 days a year and uh, flew around in my own plane and stuff like that. It was wonderful. Uh, I remarried and had uh, four wonderful children, uh, two birth children, two adopted children, and everything was just wonderful. And I started waking up. And that's way beyond anything I ever dreamed of growing up uh, in in poverty and on the wrong side of the tracks in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I never imagined a life like that. And and I'm living it. And I started waking up with this nagging thought that uh, God was not done with me yet, that there was something that I was supposed to be contributing and I hadn't contributed it. And I tried to push it away, frankly. You know, uh, I, you know, in talking with people about faith, uh, I, it's interesting the number of people that are like me—they don't yeah. <laughs> when God when God speaks or indicates things or however you want to say that—that <laughs> that we avoid it and yeah. push it away, and that's what I did for for a long time. And then, and you know, I kind of woke up one morning and went, "Oh, okay, uh, uh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, there's some, well, there- there's some there's some things here I need to do."
0: Exactly, and I would, and I would, um, I would parlay that right into isn't that how we deal with most things? Whether it's like you said, God talking to us about something spiritual in our life, or whether it's something that we know we need to do in our family or in our business, um, we know what we need to do. We know that it's time to level up. It's probably why the listener is listening right now, or like you said, someone who who hires an executive coach or joins a mastermind group like Gathering the Kings, like. Before that, before that action, they knew, they knew, (laughs) (laughs) they just just hadn't taken the action yet, which is the same exact thing that you're talking about, even on a spiritual level. It's like, you know that you should change or grow or mature or return back to your faith or whatever that, that inkling is. We know it, but we just fight it for a while and then a while longer. And sometimes our frustrations climb up to a certain level, or maybe we just get a clear vision or we see someone else you know, have something maybe that we don't or whatever happens. This is that boom, that moment where we're like, I've known that I should do this, but now I'm actually going to do it. Would yes. you share anything with that?
1: Well, the, uh, you know, our, our former president, Bill Clinton, in my lifetime, probably the best politician, you know, recently politicians have such a bad rap, that we yeah. forget that it is a profession. And I yeah. think as a profession, he was probably as good at at it or better than most Uh, I don't share his his uh, politics, but I I just I admire what he was able to get done as a professional and what he was famous for was was called compartmentalizing, you know, that he could take certain things and just put them away in his consciousness and go after what he was going after and uh at the time that i heard it i thought well that's terrible you know you should be a principled person and and but then you know in working on myself and with myself and then with clients you know i i did this informally i i guess i was a mentor uh an unpaid one for many years with friends and acquaintances and our graduates Uh, and I enjoyed it but doing it professionally is different and what I realized in doing it professionally is that many of my clients come to me with uh, a severe case of compartmentalizing they've taken blame shame regret guilt and even past success and pushed it aside right and it's it's a in in many many ways it's a positive quality because they're so driven and they're smart right. and they're focused and they're aligned and they're committed. So they push that stuff away, but that doesn't mean that it went away yeah. uh, that those, those events from the past are kind of in you bubbling along in the background or using the computer metaphor as part of your operating system. Yeah. And then you start wondering, you know, like, why didn't I pursue that opportunity that was in front of me and now it's too late. Why, why did I get rid of that guy, that woman, uh, when actually they were really performing well and something just drove me to get to somehow see the negative and all of that. What are these patterns that show up all of the time? Where do they come from? Well, it's actually known where they come from. They come from your past, from your belief system, even from childhood. And, uh, uh, so that, that journey for me turns out to be something that a lot of my executive clients, entrepreneurial clients identify with. They right. they get it when you start, when you start talking about what keeps you up at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those kinds of conversations. Uh what's the pattern that you repeat that doesn't work work for you? That kind of right. question.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those are those are pretty powerful. Um <clears throat> there are things there are things that we hear sometimes, whether it be in a book or on a podcast like this, and and we shake our head. We go, "Ooh, that's good. That's good, Robert. Yeah, yeah." And then and then there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and so my encouragement to the listener right now is just to pause for a second, take these even just these two simple questions that he just proposed, and you just think about it. Actually, think about why what these loops are that you have and why you have them, uh, if they're destructive of any kind. And, um, and think about maybe where they come from and uh, how you can adjust and grow and, and mature past that. Because you're right, um, having uh, 45 windows open on my screen usually slows it down eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Good metaphor. <laughs>
0: I, th- I think every entrepreneur can relate. If I, if I opened up just about anybody listening right now, if I open up their computer, I guarantee you, I'm going to go ahead and count real quick. One, two, three. I, it's, it's at least 25 on that one. And I got another four screens. You know, it's like the geez, how can you even do all this? But okay. So Robert, let's go practical a little bit here. Let's go. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of different ways you can answer this. Of course, you could answer it through some of your clients and how you've seen them. I'd really like to hear maybe from your uh, uh personal experience, but either way would be fine. Early on in a business, um, like ideally pre big team and millions in revenue, that's where the listener is right now. What decision did you make that was such a good decision or a client decision that you've seen over and over and over again that is just, it's repeatable? We should go do it. We should stop everything. We should take note of it. We should replicate it. What's that?
1: Well, it comes out of a failure, and and I've I've shared with uh, people close to me that it was the most valuable failure uh, that I could ever imagined. And of course, I didn't want it, and I hated it, and I was embarrassed by it and all of that. So part of my history is I worked for someone else for four years. Uh, That company that sponsored that original training that was so good for me, they ended up hiring me as their president. And so I ran that company for four years, and uh, the founder was the uh, the uh, idea guy, the the vision for the the whole idea, and I just yeah. ran the business most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the ownership changed. One of the owners died, and everything went upside down. And I ended up reporting to a probate judge. And uh, if any of you wow. ever have that opportunity, I highly recommend you pass on it. Yeah. <laughs> sounds complicated <laughs> it was it was horrible i went from working for a visionary leader to working for a probate judge and i don't recommend that so i quit yeah. and uh i started a company called Lifespring. now Lifespring went on to have 17 training centers in the united states and over a half a million graduates so it turned out to be a huge success but it yeah. did that without me uh six months into the uh founding of the company. We were active in three cities, uh Chicago, Portland, and and San Francisco. And I couldn't I couldn't stand the thought of going to work in the morning. And it was my company. I owned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I I later looked at what it was that such that that, that was true. And that informed my later success. And it was this. Uh, I didn't have these terms at the time, but I lived the experience. Uh, And that's purpose, vision, and values. And I believe that's the foundation of any company, small, medium, or large, that you need to know your purpose, why you exist, what is it that's unique about what you do in terms of, of what you're providing. And then secondly, that you've got a a a huge vision not a big goal i'm talking a big vision of the difference that you're going to make on the planet and that probably is not going to be realized during your lifetime that it's that big and uh, also that you're operating from life-affirming positive values and and they're not just on the coffee cup or on the wall you're living them uh, with you and everybody in the organization I didn't know that, but I was the beneficiary of it when I was president of Mind Dynamics, that company. Alexander provided all of that in his very being, plus his actions. And I just didn't get it. I didn't get the, you know, the uh, I've lived and worked in Asia for 23 years of my working life. And so a lot of those Asian sayings kind of wander around in my mind. And one of them is from Zen Buddhism, that fish did not describe water very well that whatever we're living in, we don't see it, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, that famous in the 60s, you know, the uh, great essay, What is Air? <laughs> you know, we, we don't notice a lot. Okay. And that's what I didn't notice. So I got into uh, starting my own company, Spring, and I assumed that all of the early people that I attracted were aligned to me and with me in terms of purpose vision and values even though i didn't know those terms even though i didn't understand the power of that idea and so the company was fractured from day two the moment i hired one person because i couldn't express the purpose vision and values i have been the beneficiary of somebody that lived it right but who also didn't also didn't express it uh So today, when I work with organizations, that's the basis of my work. How clear is everybody in this company around their purpose, vision, and values, and and their strategic intent? I added that that fourth quality. And um, because ultimately, if you look at what the leader's job is, whether it's a three-person company or a 30 or 300, or in in my case, around 300 people, uh, it's focus, alignment, and commitment. If those three things aren't present in terms of your results, uh, things are going to get not good really fast. Yeah. If you people need to be focused, aligned, and committed, then of course the question is what are you focused on? What are you aligned to? And what are you committed to? And that goes back to the original three purpose, vision, and values, and your strategic intent. So all of that is just theory. But in practice, what it adds up to is uh, today, people are whether we like it or not, you can have a long philosophical discussion on this. People are searching for meaning in their life. And one third of their life is their work. And uh, generally. Yeah. If you are contributing as a, a leader in a company uh, to helping people see meaning in their life and in their work, you are making a major contribution
0: and you're going to make more money. Yeah. Wow. Um hmm. I... I couldn't agree more and I don't, I I normally have something to say, but (laughs) I think, I think you led us right to the place of pretty clarity uh, or having clarity around those things. Uh, The, I want to explore not, not for the sake of exploiting your failure, but kind of, because you were vulnerable with that. What did that, since you didn't have those, why did, how, why did that lead to someone else taking it and doing all those incredible things without you?
1: Well, it uh, you know it showed up on the surface as a power struggle, you know, among the uh, p- early people that I attracted into the company, and that's sure. no fun. Uh, and people that you had worked with had, you know, the primary person being my vice president at Mind Dynamics became my vice president at LifeSpring, and and uh, it was a big change that I didn't recognize, and 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 so the power struggle part, and 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 also I experience it as a failure. I had put all the money that I had into Lifespring. I was the only funder. Yeah. And uh, uh, I sold it to the, st- the staff for no money down and forever to pay. So it, things became vivid very quickly in that I had, now I have no money, no job. I've got a, a, a wife, a family, a mortgage, you know, all of the standard stuff. And uh, all of that, you know, you can experience that as a an opportunity, and you know, all motivational speakers often talk like that. <laughs> but I I experienced that as a crushing burden, you know, yeah. as a and as a failure. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, so that learning about what actually happened came later for me. You know, it came through uh, whether you call it meditation or prayer or being quiet, yeah. and really looking at. Uh, how I sourced it. It wasn't somebody else that did it to me. Yeah. There was something missing in my leadership that yeah. created that, and that's not an easy thing for the male ego. Uh, I'm, I'm I, you know, you notice how quickly I, I third partied that. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was not easy for me. It was very painful. And also the fact that it was uh, somewhat public in our industry, that was particularly, you know, uh, my friend Charlie Kiefer and Lynn Schlesinger, they wrote this wonderful book about on entrepreneurship called Just Start, and uh, uh, it's actually the the book I recommend if, if somebody's going to be an, an entrepreneur other than my book, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my book is more personal and and his is more organizational. And sure. and it's, it's absolutely great. But, uh, you know, the, Charlie uh, was, you know, he's a very bright guy. He's got a master's from MIT in physics. You know, he's just way smart. But he also was an entrepreneur and a very successful one. And when it got right down to it and what what's the and Len Schlesinger was a full professor at Harvard Business School. And then chief operating officer of the limited with 2000 something stores. Right. I mean, these are two superstars. And they wrote a book where the title is Just Start. Yeah. No, it's (laughs) it's
0: so true, though.
1: (laughs) And uh, for me to just start again, uh, you know, that's where the mystery comes in for me, or I think for any entrepreneurial and why we do what we do is uh, there wasn't any question. I was offered a big time job. There was a company called EST at that time in our industry and and the biggest company in our industry, and it's now called Landmark. So I was offered the CEO job and I I, I did work for them for one month as a consultant just to check it out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it was just so clear to me that even with the failure that I really wanted to be on my own, I really wanted to be my own boss. Uh, even with Mind Dynamics, it was like being my own boss because yeah. Alexander gave me so much space yeah. to operate. And where oh, that where that kind of drive comes from, I don't know. You know, uh, but if you've got it, <laughs> you've got that disease. <laughs> then, then, then you best prepare yourself, right? And your background is, you know, I don't. How many companies have you been involved in?
0: Yeah, yeah, numerous, and and probably <laughs> too many. I'm I'm now learning that I should have done less, probably. Do more with less is the story now. But right, you know, uh, <clears throat> you've given us quite the picture here, Robert. I mean, obviously, the hindsight that you later discovered of purpose and vision and, and having these things in place, even as a small company, um, you're right. It's so important. And we get, we get busy, right? Like we get busy uh, trying to get a client. We get busy trying to execute the project uh, as a trades guy. Uh, I get busy, you know, building the website or whatever I'm doing. Um, I get busy uh, on the finance side, trying to make sure I'm keeping track of all the the numbers, and um if we do that too long, um, you would probably encourage them to do it day one. I would say, look, sometime in the first year at least, um, g- gather some time um it's tough to do it um, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit because you've got quite a bit of experience, but it's tough to do it at the beginning because there's a lot of analysis paralysis, a lot of thinking before action. So I'm a huge action taking fan. and then when you have a little bit of a mess, okay let's 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 uh, let's come back to the table and clean up a few things add some direction and and some vision here but then you gave us the 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 I guess the the caveat to that which is okay really what what that failure gave to you is this super clear vision of who you are what you want what you desire you know and so how my my question my question to you my follow-up question is how does the listener find that in them now without having to go through this huge uh, thing and then years later, discovering it through prayer, like you did. Well, you know the the
1: the most commented line from my book when I when I first introduced it. You know, you send it. The PR company sends it out to all these media people, and then somebody reads it. Usually, not the interviewer. Some grunt, <laughs> some <laughs> hapless intern reads it, and they come up with five questions. I mean, I've asked, that's the routine. By the way, one of them is always snarky. So if you're going to do that kind of thing, just know you're going to get prepared for the snark. I got (laughs) it. Be ready. Be ready for the snark. Uh, But the most commented online from the book was life is simple. This does not mean it's easy. Life is simple. This does not mean it's easy. Many, many people have that 180 degrees uh, uh, apart from reality. People want life to be complicated and easy. You know, once I figure out it out, it'll be easy. But the great teachers for thousands of years, you know, Buddha said, all life is suffering. The existential philosophers say that life is hard and then you die. Uh, You know, I've been following Jordan Peterson recently, the psychology professor from Canada. He says life is tragic. And our job is to figure out how to navigate through the tragedy. Uh, I mean, great teachers have always said that. And, uh you know i i spent 2015 through 2020 in china and i was in front of over 100,000 people and uh and worked closely with 20,000 you know in in a four or five day training format yeah and i noticed myself i don't i don't do scripts and uh i mean i have a general outline of what i'm going to talk about but i sure. don't script it and i just noticed myself quoting two people that i really didn't want to quote uh, one was my former wife, <laughs> you know, who broke my heart and put me through hell and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. But she had a lot of wisdom and I noticed myself occasionally quoting her because yeah. she had this ability to capture a, a complex thought in a simple sentence. Yeah. And uh, But the other person I found myself quoting was the late uh, and I'd say revered uh, Stephen Covey who wrote the seven habits book and that, that that kind of speaks to how you kind of started this subject, which is he said he he made the distinction between uh, important and urgent. Yeah. And, and that, uh, that part of his book, I just think is so powerful. It was so good for me when I first read it and I see it with my clients also that we get caught up in the urgent, in the problem, in the in the customer that's complaining, or the the product that got mismanufactured, or didn't get inspected, or yeah, all of that kind of stuff, or, right. or the key the key person grumbling and thinking he might want to quit, all, all of that stuff that flies at us every day. It's right. the urgent, and what we don't pay attention to is the important. And I like how you language this that you know that you get into business, you just start you scramble you get a few clients things start moving at some point what's needed uh, desperately is to sit down with yourself and or your team and it can it can be in either direction by the way Yep. yeah and to take a deep dive into purpose vision and values you know why are we here what do we stand for and uh you know, I, one of the most interesting books I've read in the last 20 years was the Steve Jobs book. And I found myself falling in love with this guy and then hating him within the same, <laughs> you know, within the same three minutes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was such a jerk with people and, and right. all of that. And yet yeah. a level of brilliance and entrepreneurial, whatever. Yeah. That Risk. is uh, incredible. You know, yeah. Well, there's a video on uh, YouTube, you know, he left Apple, he was in effect fired yep. from his own company, something I can identify with, <laughs> right. and, uh, uh, and he started this company called Next, N-E-X-T, and, which was also a failure, by the way, and in many ways, yeah. except that the architecture of Next is the architecture of Apple today. You know, in in technical terms, I understand. Yeah. And uh, but there's a meeting that he held about a year into next uh, at some ski resort in Northern California, and it's very informal. And the video is kind of choppy, and you know, like kind of amateurish in a way. But it and it people are sitting around on the floor on on cushions. It's very Californian, I guess, yep. in a way. Yep. Very Steve Jobs, and. I highly recommend that to entrepreneurs. If you want to be a little bit thoughtful, if you want to look at somebody that won big as an entrepreneur and the struggles he went through, but also his quality of leadership because his leadership of that group is as good as, uh, I mean, I'm a reasonably good facilitator. I mean, we're over a million graduates and I know something about that. Yeah. Steve jobs was as good as I am. And frankly, uh and that wasn't his profession. Right. But he was one hell of a leader. And and uh the way he interacted with his team, because it was this entire company in that living room, right. Uh of that uh, probably an Airbnb that they rented. Sure, exactly. <laughs> so and so what you see there is he's looking at who are we? What are we really up to here? What is it that's going to power us forward, uh, and, and with these radical ideas? And that you know, he always had a radical idea or two, exactly. or three, that's, or four. Exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, so that's, I think that's the key: is that at some point, and then you know, there are there are great books, there are videos, there are mentors, coaches, uh, as as ways to accelerate it. And another way to say it. You don't have to fail, right? You, you can head that off. You can get some help. Uh, my biggest, you know, you talk about your mastermind. I'd say that if if I had it to do all over again, I would have joined a mastermind, but I was the lone wolf always. Right. And that was, that was a huge mistake on on my part. Uh, You can't do those things over. I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but it my way would have been smooth if i would have had uh some friends who were uh my term that i now use committed listeners yeah. they know what i'm up to and they'll call me out when i'm off track yeah that that kind of and i think that a good mastermind does that you know yeah you know you said you stand for this this and this but you're doing this this and this hey buddy right. yeah sort that out
0: yeah, no, that's good. It's tough love. What on this topic, I just have this, you know, because you've seen, you know, um, it's not only just such great success with you, and and we talked about ego earlier, but now you're leading uh executives who have success and and also have ego. We all do. And so I guess my question to you around this mastermind thought <clears throat> is or at least what I've seen is that the people who get the most value from a coach or a mastermind, but specifically thinking mastermind, because it's a, this, this peer table is the people who let go of the ego and they're willing to learn from different perspectives, different backgrounds, different people of different varying degrees of industry or success. And so this, this place that you're talking about being able to get to, how do you, how, how would you suggest that the listener do that? Whether they join in the Kings, or some other group, it, it doesn't matter to me. Them getting to the next level is what this podcast is about. That's why you and I are both here today. And so if, if you're going back and you're telling Robert to join a mastermind group, inside of that, what's the strategy? Or what is his mindset? What's the action plan that he takes other than just joining?
1: Well, I hate this next moment because I'm a, I'll quote my former wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh the answer is awareness is it, is and she wait she languages that slightly differently and I like it a lot. She calls it a higher state of noticing. Love because that. what happens with the ego is we come up with an image of who we are. Okay. And we come up with a belief system about the way the world is and about how we operate in it. Right. And quite often that has no connection. To reality so what you need it, it, and it goes it's like it's the purpose of that book or that mastermind or that video or of going to some training right and that is to develop a higher state of noticing of yourself of other people and of the world that you live in uh look we had uh, in my in my last company in asia 70 full-time trainers and these are people that you know, it took anywhere from one to two years to train them to get up in front of 300 people and confront 300 people. Right. Uh, So people would say, well, how do you select your trainers? They're all these superstars. How do you, how do you, how do you evaluate them? And so I had to think about that. (laughs) Mostly we did it by intuition. And uh, if somebody loved the training and seemed to want to do it, we'd hire them and see if it worked out. Sometimes it, did and sometimes it did frankly right and i started noticing we were spending a lot of money on on training trainers that never made it yeah so it would behoove us to figure out what are the qualities to look for in advance yeah. and i came up with two uh, one was uh empathy that people had a ability to get their ego out of the way and just be with other people and see them yeah. Uh, but the other one sounds like I mean, the exact opposite and, and psychologically in many ways it is. They needed to have a strong ego, yeah. a strong sense of who they were, because uh, particularly uh, in our kind of work where we're confronting people and pointing out, uh, you know, that your baby is ugly kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, so <laughs> to do that, you have to have a strong ego. You can't All run right. away from it. Yeah uh and so and, and there's a zillion examples of people like that we we know we know people that have figured out who they are what they stand for and they're unshakable yeah so the interesting thing is ego becomes like an enemy in pop culture oh uh, well he has a big ego well if i'm going to if i'm going to do anything in life i better have a big ego yeah. but i better be aware of what it is about how i hold myself how i'm selling myself in effect yeah. and to have control of it and you know the the classic one-liner does does your ego do you own your ego or does it own you yeah. if it owns you you'll get in trouble you know okay. you'll you'll screw up you'll you'll want to look good in a certain situation and it'll yeah. all blow up on you but if you own it if you know who you are uh, and and you own that. You take personal responsibility for how that ego shows up in the in the world.
0: Yeah,
1: that's powerful.
0: Yeah, I this whole conversation we could do a whole podcast just on this. But just to reiterate for the listener here, because I, I mean their their head their head is swirling right now with just phenomenal information. I want to I want to just <clears throat> bullet point and summarize the 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 ego piece specifically because you're right. They're opposites, but they actually they fulfill one, ch- one, one another. In my opinion, the ego is only healthy if you can put it aside and be with other people. And so in order to have a healthy, productive ego that's going to drive me, um, I have to have the heightened level of self-noticing uh, so that I can see other people. And and I would say looking back on my history, very, very specifically, uh, thinking ego and ambition and the moment Thank goodness for me, it was when I was younger than, you know, some people it's when they're older, but, uh, this, this transition, you know, we call it this warrior to King transition, but this, this mindset shift where it it's not just about me. It can't be because that's only it, it only drives me so much. Um, and very quickly it has to be around, you know, the person that I'm sitting with right now today, the the children and, and the wife I was telling you about that I got a quick break with right before this podcast. Um, the, the clients that uh, we go back and forth with on different things that are having to do business related, or just because I'm just checking in and seeing how you're doing brother. Or so many other examples, right. Of just being in um, that space present. Um, and, but, but at the same time, having that confidence in who you are, which is identity and and confidence to know that like, this is who I am. This is who I'm made for. And so we use some of the same language. I'm, I'm um, curious, maybe after the show here for us to di- digress on some of this and talk about it because the warrior to King transition is this, the warrior is selfish. He has to fight for the battle. He's in survival mode. He can only look out to the left and the right, maybe, you know, and that's okay. There's a period of time in life and business where you have to do that. Yes, But man, the, what you're designed for the king, uh, the king mindset, it's you, your family, your community, your church, the people around you, the team that you have, the families of your team, like all these people that are counting on you. And um, eventually, when you make that shift as an entrepreneur, and this is my my hope for the listener, that when you make that shift, it all becomes so radically clear, but yet so big, it's confusing and a little overwhelming, but it becomes clear of, well, I gotta get going. There's so much more to do. I'm designed for yeah. so much more. What would you say to that?
1: well i'm uh, i'm I'm blown away at, frankly, that's it's not only a great summary. It's a great challenge. You know leadership is not determined by your title or your how much money you're making. It's by your followership. You know, are you really able to move the people around you in a specific direction of your choosing? And then that it becomes their choosing also. Uh, So it's all about results. You know, the biggest uh, truism that came from me pretty early in my career was you can have reasons and stories and excuses, or you can have results. You cannot have the two. Yeah, that's right. You've got one or the other. And in terms of leading people, you you have to look at how successful am I at Sensing where they are, so that I can lead them. Yeah. Uh, so that's that that push pull of empathy and a strong ego. Yeah. You know that you 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 uh, you know it's the opposite of the so called imposter syndrome. Right. It is that I'm here for a reason. I'm the person. I'm the perfect person for this job. Or if I'm not perfect, I'm on my way to that. And I need to pay attention to how to appeal to. Every person that I that I am challenged to lead, because yeah. uh, they're, they're going to need. I'm going to have to know who they are, where they are, and how to best approach them if I'm going to be successful with them. So it's it's this interesting uh, push pull between ego and empathy, yeah. uh, and 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 it's all taking place in on the battlefield to use your metaphor, you know, it, it, it isn't like you're, you're able to be this contemplative monk sitting on a hillside, you know, smoking dope. <laughs> gotta be an action. You gotta be in action. You gotta handle the urgent, uh, to some degree, right. but you know, my pitch is always what's important is ultimately what's important. is going to be the long-term success piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. Wow. Um, I want to give you a chance here. Um, uh, we're going to go to the speed round. I'm going to kind of fumble through a few questions here. But um, my, my question is always uh, around a book recommendation. I want to hear about your book and maybe something else that maybe you'd recommend in addition to. But please tell us how to find your book. Give us the synopsis of it. What are we looking for? That type of thing.
1: Well, Living an Extraordinary Life is the title living an extraordinary life and certainly available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those kinds of things available on Kindle. It's selling about 10, uh, Kindles to one hard copy. I've sure. noticed recently, yeah. uh, the world is definitely changing. And, uh, but if you want a signed copy, go to my website, the robertwhite.com, the robertwhite.com. And you also have an opportunity to sign up for my weekly e-zine, which is called an extraordinary minute with Robert. And I I take an idea that kind of fascinating me that week and a few comments on it. it's all designed to be read in one minute or less. That's the pitch. Uh, And it's a way for us to stay in touch Uh, included with that is a a 28 page summary of all I've learned about success. So that's free. It's shareable. uh, It, a lot of people have used it like a book club, that little 28 pager yeah. uh, with their team. Uh, but it gets us in relationship. And that's really what's important to me right now. Uh, the book that I recommend highly always is uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, you know, the, the Victor Frankl book, the story of what he learned from uh, having a number on his arm you know, from from the Holocaust. And it's it's like the Bible for the personal development industry from my point of view. Um, uh, There are a lot of other good books. My book is about, uh, some people complained about it. They said, it's not about you, you know, about Robert and his extraordinary life. No, it's not. It's the interaction between our material, what we've learned about the human condition and success and real people and their reaction to it. So it's real people's stories about awareness, about personal responsibility, and about communication, about developing a mastery in communication. So uh, it's uh, you know, when I wrote it, I I, I was t- <laughs> I avoided writing it for twenty years, Chaz. It's embarrassing. It comes uh, back to that avoidance. <laughs> yes, and reasons, stories, and excuses. Uh, I had a few, as the song goes, and uh, 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 but. It, it a lot of people have have felt it's valuable. Uh, you know, people like Ken Blanchard and Jimmy Colano and people that are real winners in the personal and business development space, uh have bought lots of copies for their friends and yeah. that makes me feel really good to know that I have contributed a bit. So I recommend the book, I recommend the free stuff. Uh and uh, you know, on therobertwhite.com, you know, there's a little button to click. To get thirty minutes with me free, so uh, those are all ways to kind of get get to know what I'm up to and how I might be of service.
0: Absolutely, I want to I want to ask you um, one more question before I get to my last one, Um, and and it's maybe maybe more practical than we've been. But um, being an executive or an entrepreneur, uh, we have mindset and we have tactics and all these things in between. And so tactically speaking, um, I want to take, we've talked a lot in in theory and talked a lot in mindset. And I want you to take me into actually running a business. What do you believe is the most important KPI or the one thing that you would be tracking if you could only pick one thing?
1: I think it's different for every business. I had five. uh, I mean, I ran a, I ran a $45 million business and and I only I had just watched five numbers frankly and but I think it's you know uh general systems theory is something I know just enough about to be really dangerous, but the general idea of it is that it's supposed to be the theory that explains everything <laughs> right yeah. how's that for a claim yeah <laughs> and it is complex and uh but what they basically posit is that everything is too complicated for the human mind to, to gather. You figure, if you look at world hunger or you look at manufacturing or you look at uh, 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 Mm -hmm. politics or education, everything's too complicated, but that within all of that complication, there are leverage points, points where one, uh, one unit of effort produces 10 units of results. You know, the classic thing about a lever, give me a lever, I can move the world. Right. And so I think the challenge for entrepreneurs is to look at what are the, and I, 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 I chose five, but I think two or three is even better. Mm-hmm. Two or three things that I have to pay attention to. I have to wake up to them in the morning. I have to have them for lunch and I have to re- review how we did on them for dinner. And, and, uh, and I think it's different for every company. Uh, I certainly, Cash flow is king. It's the oxygen of business. If you, if uh, you know, it sounds kind of rude, but don't let your tax accountant or your lawyer run your company. Yeah. Don't make decisions out of that. Make decisions out of clients being happy and how much your what your cash flow is. If you get right down to it, because cash is oxygen. Without it, you don't live
0: very long. Yeah. So good. Okay, last question. Robert, if you could whisper in the younger Robert's ear, what would you say? Uh, To
1: deal with blame, shame, regret, and guilt earlier and realize that I can't change my past Uh, And that when I get that out of the way, when I tell the truth about my current reality, I can choose a future that goes way beyond what a lot of authority figures projected for me early on. Uh, And uh, that would be the big thing is letting go of the past.
0: Well, as the listener uh, today, if you haven't been inspired and challenged and given some insight, um, I don't know where you're going to find it. If you didn't find it here today, uh, you weren't listening. (laughs) You didn't pay attention. You need to go back and review it again. But in all seriousness, uh, Robert, you've been incredible. Um, We will put your uh, information that you gave a few minutes ago regarding your website and the book, and they can get some time with you on your website. All that fun stuff. We'll put that in the show notes. So they can easily connect with you. Um, I highly recommend for any of our listeners who, um, who want to reach out that you take Robert up on his, uh, on his offer to connect and, um, and to begin the relationship, as he said, I think that uh, so many of us young guys in business are learning that it's relationship and then the rest. Um, and so you've, you've displayed that here to us today. And so we just appreciate that. And um, we wish you nothing but success, blessing, your business, your family, everything that you touch your hand with. Uh, thank you for being here, Robert. Thank you, Chaz. It's
1: been a wonderful experience and conversation with you.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to GatheringTheKings.com. That's GatheringTheKings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group.